0: To Book Squad Goals. Uh, this week, we are doing a long-promised episode on the book-slash-movie Room by Emma Donahue, which is a book that we all actually loved. It was one of the only books in our book club that we all agreed on. Um, And now that the last episode that we did, we actually did agree on a book, this is a little less- Climactic. Um, needed, <laughs> but still, it's going to be fun. <laughs> Because we all... (laughs) Now we've got two. Yes. Two total. Two total. Um, But yeah, we thought it'd be fun to talk about this anyway, because I think a lot of people have read it or seen the movie. And um, yeah, so I wanted to ask everyone, um, what is your favorite Jack-ism? For people who don't know, Jack is the main character of Room. He is a five-year-old, and he has some really funny ways of describing things. So...
1: Okay, well, my favorite. I'm Emily, and my favorite is obviously Meltedy Spoon. He's, you know, it's his favorite spoon. It's a little meltedy, and I've, I've presented this theory to you guys. But Emma Donahue's new book has a spoon on the cover, and I feel like this could be the sequel of Meltedy Spoon because we never find out what happens to Meltedy Spoon at the end of Room, and I was always curious. And if the cover of her new book, The Wonder, is any indication, it seems like Meltedy Spoon. Gets a little less melted-y and things start looking up for the spoon. So I'm, I'm just assuming that's what the wonder is about because I haven't read it. It's definitely a comeback story so, of for melted the spoon. spoon. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me.
0: Uh, I am Kelly, and my favorite is that when Jack is describing mosquitoes, he calls them teeny vampires.
2: <laughs> it's so cute.
0: It's so cute. It's like in the first couple pages of the book and it was at that point that I decided I really like this book and I felt that way from that point forward. I mean, he's not wrong. He's not. But the word teeny is like teeny. such a such a good and underutilized word. I feel like people always say tiny, but teeny.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I am
0: Mary And I
2: don't know if it's a Jackism, but it's just a thing he says that I quote in my daily life a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, When Jack turns five and he wakes up on his birthday, he says, Now that I'm five, I know everything. (laughs) (laughs) And he proceeds to give the reader his worldview. And this is especially cute in the movie because... Jacob Tremblay is very cute and says this phrase with such wonder. So I say this all the time to the cat. <laughs> After the movie came out, Emily and I said a lot. Does P know? The cat. Does P know
0: everything? Now that P's ten?
2: He knows everything.
0: I mean, that's what I say to myself every year on my birthday I when I wake up. I'm like, now that I'm 26, I know, I know everything.
3: everything.
1: It also should be mentioned that Jacob Tremblay is a big fan of Oscar Isaac, so that means he's an honorary oh. squad member.
3: <laughs> Our youngest. so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the
0: If you have not seen this photo, you need to go to Google and search Jacob Tremblay and Oscar Isaac and look at a photo of them oh. like...
3: Holding a lightsaber together It's,
0: it's very sweet At yeah. the Golden Globes It is the cutest thing you will ever see in your life
3: I'm Susan and um, This isn't a very like weird name to call something But I'm a big fan of Egg Snake It's my favorite, <laughs> snake. My favorite toy Just the of, item Egg of, Snake um, Jack's. Um, It's what it sounds like It's a long snake-like toy Made of eggshells that They save after they cook them um, I think that's adorable And <laughs> I also really just love how he says goodnight to everything. It's so cute. Mm. And good morning. And good morning, yeah.
0: It doesn't take long. The room is small. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I don't think he does that in the real world <laughs> anymore. <laughs> it's a bit much. Um, so now that you have a good idea of, of our main character, I might as well read the Goodreads summary, which isn't that bad, shockingly. What? Um, I know. It's it's a first so to five-year-old Jack room is the world (laughs) told in the inventive funny and poignant voice of Jack room is a celebration of resilience and a powerful story of a mother and son whose love lets them survive the
3: impossible
0: to five-year-old Jack (laughs) room is the entire world which it just said that up at the top so maybe this isn't that great. Um, it is where he was born and grew up. It's where he lives with his ma as they learn and read and eat and sleep and play. At night, his ma shuts him safely in the wardrobe. I think this person means to write in wardrobe, capital W, where he is meant to be asleep when old Nick visits. Room is home to Jack, but to ma it is the prison where old Nick has kept her captive for seven years. Through determination, ingenuity, and fierce motherly love, Ma has created a life for Jack, but she knows it's not enough, not for her or for him. She devises a bold escape plan, one that relies on her young son's bravery and a lot of luck. What she does not realize is just how unprepared she is for the plan to actually work. Told entirely in the language of the energetic, pragmatic five-year-old Jack, Room is a celebration of resilience and the limitless bond between parent and child, a brilliantly executed novel about what it means to journey from one world to another. Voila. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) I think that sums it up pretty well. Uh, Do you guys think there's anything else that people should know before we start talking about this? I
1: mean, it's pretty much it. Yeah. If y'all don't know about this story yet, why
0: have you not at least seen the movie? I know. It was an Oscar nom. Like, come on. So, um... Yeah, I guess we can just do this the way that we normally do our book discussions, where we sort of go around and say what our Goodreads reading was.
1: Um, I'll, I'll start. Uh, this is Emily again. I gave it five stars. It's uh, one of the best books I've read so far this year. Um, I really was worried. I <laughs> I had this book on my shelf for a really long time, and I guess I should say I was the one that picked it for us to read. Um, and I... I, I been worried about reading it because i've heard a lot of people complain about the voice of the five-year-old being kind of like obnoxious um but i found it um i don't know like really sweet and i really enjoyed i keep saying really (laughs) I, i really enjoyed uh seeing the world through this child's eyes and sort of like revisiting things that i felt i feel like i understand as an adult but seeing them through someone's eyes, who are like seeing it with wonder for the first time. It was just very, I don't know, like, um, it was a strangely uplifting story for something that sounds so depressing. And I just, I fell in love with the characters and just loved it. I loved it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I loved it too. I gave it four because for me, like, I don't know why, but I've probably given like five books, five stars on like all of my Goodreads thing, which – I'm just – I'm, like, that horrible teacher that you have that's, like, I don't give out hundreds. You can never get a perfect score. <laughs> Nothing is perfect. um. But so four is, like, my rating for something that I really, really enjoyed a lot that – but I don't know, like, if or when I'll read it again. I guess five is, like, if I – I'll give it to something if I think I'm going to read this again, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but – yeah, I totally agree with you that I, my stepmom had read this book a really long time ago and had recommended it to me back when it came out, which I don't even know it was a long time ago. And I was like, I don't really, I'm not really into the idea of reading something from a five year old's perspective. Um, and I also assumed it would be annoying. And she listened to it on audiobook, and I was like... Oh, God, I I think that would be annoying. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she said it was a little annoying mm-hmm. listening to it on audiobook, and I was like, I can't even imagine listening to a five-year-old read for however many hours that would take. No, thank you. Um, but, yeah, he's actually not annoying at all. He's very adorable. And I liked that you sort of go in and aren't used to his... Um, way of speaking or the words that he uses yet but then eventually uh you get used to it and you start to understand what's going on so because he doesn't explain things to you he just sort of talks and you pick things up from what he says
3: so yeah i thought it was great i gave it five stars yay yay Yay. i am capable
1: team five stars Mm.
3: (laughs) Um, And I will go so far as to say it's the best book I've read in the last couple of years, I think. Um, Mm. I know. I really loved it. And I read it in like two days. And this is a really intense book to read in two days. It's not beach reading or anything. Um, But I just couldn't stop. And I loved the narration. And I kind of was worried at first because I didn't actually know before picking up the book that it was narrated by the child. (laughs) I thought it was going to be – the mother um which would have been a completely different story and i'm really glad that it was the kid because i think that because this is his whole world you really get that from his voice it you really it hits you i guess more that this really is all he knows and so all of his new experiences are that much more poignant i think coming from his voice
2: i also gave it five out of five stars and I originally heard about this book from a children's lit professor that I was studying with at Georgia Southern, Richard Flynn. He read the book and said that it was really interesting from a children's literature point of view because it's a book marketed to adults, but it's told entirely from a child's perspective, which typically, if a book is from a child's perspective, we kind of expect it to be a children's book or a young adult book. Just for whatever reason. But Room is not. So it's interesting from like a marketing standpoint. But he he said it was really great, and I was like, oh, I'll add it to my Goodreads to read list, which is, like, where Where books books go go to to die, die. I think. (laughs) Because it just sat there for years, and then finally, when Emily said she wanted to read it for book club, I was like, oh, finally. (laughs) I'm going to read it. And I I really liked it. I think, you know, I saw the movie first, and I enjoyed the movie, but after reading the book, I loved the book so much more because it gives details. The movie can't give for like time purposes, but also um, Jacob Tremblay, while incredibly cute and a wonderful actor in this film did annoy me after a while. (gasps) Um, (laughs) Yeah. I I I thought
1: he was annoying at parts of the, but I mean, like I think he is supposed to be annoying. Like for instance, when, you know, uh, Ma, the Brie Larson mm-hmm. character, is trying to explain to him what's outside of room, and he's, like, very resistant to it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, that's frustrating from an audience's standpoint, yes. watching yeah. that, and you're like, fuck, kid, listen! And yeah. But he's, like, he doesn't want it to be true, mm-hmm. um, and, the, and you feel her frustration there. So I think, like, it, he was annoying, but in the way that he was supposed to be. I mean, like I think he did a really good job
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. But just in the book, I didn't ever have that reaction. You know, even when he was getting frustrated and didn't want to believe things, I didn't think this is annoying me because I guess I didn't have to hear.
1: (laughs) You know,
0: I had like book voice in my head. I think the movie gives like one of the benefits of the movie is getting more of Ma's perspective. Mm hmm. Because we see it in the book a little bit, but just by nature of, like, Brie Larson bringing something to this performance, like, we get to see how she thinks and feels about the situation a little bit more. Where this is kind of, like, Jack obviously loves his mother, but he's also five and doesn't have, like, the emotional intelligence to understand, like, how this is affecting her. So even if we get to see... Even though he knows everything. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Jack. I didn't mean it. Um, but you know we get to see her re like reactions to things in the book, but we don't get anything other than that. Where in the movie we get this whole like nuanced performance and
3: yeah, and she like steals yeah. the show. She's amazing. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, no, it's Brie
3: Larson
2: is amazing, and the film is great, and I love it too, but for very different reasons. Same. I think yes.
3: um the. Something that – the main difference for me that made me like the book more is I I never felt that Jack was safe even after he was out. Because, like, when we – after Ma has her breakdown and you don't know for a few days if she's going to make it, you don't feel like his family is going to be there for him to really help because they are so right. disconnected from him. In the movie, it's like, okay, well, his grandma loves him and is totally ready to take him in and like he'll he has like a safety net in the movie that I don't think he had in the book it made it a lot more frightening I think
1: uh it's hard to say what his safety net is in the book because we're so in his head and I think mm-hmm. in the movie that character feels like he doesn't have a safety net without his ma because that's all he knew so it could very well be the same in the book as it is in the movie but we don't know because seeing things from his perspective he doesn't know how to live without his
2: mother. Yeah, that's true. But that's so good. Like, it's so good that we get that limited perspective.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Because it makes it, I don't know, it made it more exciting. Yeah, if that's why I'm feeling that way, then it's, like, just more evidence that the narration worked. <laughs> so, yeah. but I did yeah, think, yeah. like, the grandmother character was framed quite differently. I don't even
0: remember the he- the major differences about the grandmother character between the book and the
3: movie. They just seemed, like, really put out with him in the... In the book, um, and really impatient, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. with his adjustment period. Um, Because he
2: couldn't be a normal kid. I mean, that
3: could just be because it's coming from his, right, and we also get, like, the uncle and that family, too, in the book that we don't have in the movie. Oh, yeah. Um, And that's a really, like, frustrating, sad thing when they go to the mall together, um, but that's why I felt more worried about him, I guess, when we didn't know what was going on with Ma because it was like if she's if she's gone, like what is there? No yeah. one's there that understands him and mm-hmm. can deal with him. And, and give it, him like the yeah, time he needs. Sense. Because like this isn't just like run of the mill trauma. This is like ooh, mm-hmm. bad yeah. stuff.
0: So we've we've talked about the narration um a bit. And like, why specifically do you guys think that it did work? Because I think I have read things in narration from children that don't work. So, like, what is it about this specific the way that Emma Donahue writes it that it works? It's interesting
1: because you you're asking why it works, but I think a lot of a lot of people I've talked to. Um, we've even gotten some comments already about this. A lot of people think that this doesn't work. So it really seems like either you lean into it and you enjoy it or like you don't accept it and like, it's not working for you. So I think, you know, it's definitely still a a narration that's taking a risk. (laughs) And so I, um, I like, it's, it's, it's really strange for me because a lot of people don't like the narration at all and it kind of ruins the book for them
2: what are some examples of child narrators that don't work in your opinion kelly um
0: this is difficult because i read this book a long time ago and i don't i think if i read it now i might feel differently but and i'm not saying that it didn't work completely but or not it was not as effective yeah like okay so the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime um okay
1: yeah i didn't like that book like there
0: were (laughs) there were ways in which it did work but then there were times when I did feel frustrated with the limitations of, like, this character being the only narrator. And there's this, like, other plot going on. And I, like, can't get in on that, I guess, through this character. But it's the same situation in Room. That's
2: on my Goodreads to read
0: <laughs> Oh, okay. So, I mean, I, and I, I didn't not like the, Like, I did like it. Overall, it's been Mm -hmm. so – I read it when I was in high school, so it's been such a long time that, like – but I just remember that was – if I have responded to anything negatively about it, it was that. Right. I'm trying to think, because I know I've read other – can you guys think of any other child narration?
3: I can think of um, only, like, teen or kind of adolescent narration, but it's in books meant for a teenage audience also. Mm -hmm. I can't think of anything – in an adult book, I'm sure there are some. Well, we,
0: we just read All the Ugly and Wonderful Things, and there are a couple chapters she from- She sounds like an adult. Yeah, from <laughs> Wavy's young perspective, which that's also kind of a problem, you know, when yeah. when a child sounds like an adult.
3: This, this sounds like a kid the whole time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's a kid with, like, such a limited worldview and a limited experience. Wavy is hard to compare to that, I think.
2: Um, maybe Neil Gaiman's Ocean at the End of the Lane- I don't know if any of you have read that. It's I haven't really read it. it's really good, but it's from a child perspective and it's sort of like fairy tale ish, but it was written for and marketed to adults. So it's kind of interesting. I mean, I I think the point of view is what makes this novel. I think if we got the situation from Ma's perspective, it would just be entirely so depressing. That we would not be able to handle it, but it's Jack's like sense of wonder that. Drives the novel because everything he encounters is so new and fantastic to him. And seeing our world that we know about through a different perspective is interesting and keeps us reading. So, like, and it takes yeah. longer to figure out what's happening because it is from this alienated perspective. So, like, old Nick is the abductor. But when you first hear Jack say, Old Nick's gonna come see us, you're like, Oh, who's old Nick? Sounds mm-hmm. like Santa Claus or something. You know, <laughs> like it it sort of like draws out the anticipation of what's gonna happen in the story, which makes it interesting. And and if it was Ma and she was just saying, My captor is gonna come rape me, we would be like, Oh, well <laughs> that's awful. The end, you know, just
3: like this is so sad. (laughs) There's even just like a lot of small moments too where you do figure out something that he's talking about, and it's like, (gasps) no, like when there's, you know, they scream every morning to try to, Mm -hmm. and it's like so that someone will hear them. He doesn't know that that's why they're doing it, he just thinks it's like some exercise that they do. It's a game, and you're like, oh my god, that's awful. And even just the fact that he's still being breastfed, like it took me a few times yeah to understand like what was really happening there because he just calls then, it like, like
0: the left and the right like well he, he would say just some of can I left.
3: have some yeah. I I got some and I'm like what did what did you get and then when it was like until he said right and left that yeah. I was like oh my god no he's like of course he's still being breastfed because yeah. he lives in a tiny
2: <laughs> and also <Yeah>. their nutritional <laughs> Like, they, their food is not guaranteed, because if old Nick gets mad, yeah. he just won't bring them. Yeah. Or he'll um, turn off the
0: power and everything in the fridge will go bad.
2: Right. Like, he'll just punish them with food. So, like, breastfeeding, although it's weird for us to think about, and I can't help but think about that kid on Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> it's breastfeeding yes. and he's 10, you know? Yeah, And that's gross
1: to me. It's notable that they left that out of the movie. Yeah, as they well. did. Yes. They're, like, it was too weird for them to include in the movie, even though, like, it's actually like a really big plot point, especially when they leave room, that he's still breastfeeding because everyone gives her shit about that. It makes yeah. sense, you know? though,
2: because she wasn't living in the normal world where she could just follow the guidelines for how to raise a child. I mean... If your nutritional if your nutrition is not guaranteed, breastfeeding at least is a guaranteed form of nutrition for him. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she was trying to supplement his diet however she could.
0: Yeah. And if she stopped feeding him, her breasts were going to stop producing it probably. So, yeah. Even if there was an emergency, she wouldn't be able to if she had already stopped. Mhm. Like if Old Nick got mad, A couple months later or whatever so it makes sense it's just like it's very weird to think about so on this topic um i thought we should just talk about ma a little bit more in general and sort of like what she goes through and kind of like the way that she parents in this really bizarre situation like has exercises that they do and she sort of like splits up the day like the way that you split up the day when you are in elementary school or whatever. Like, we have play time, we have, like, drawing time and reading time, and we're going to do our exercises, and we're going to, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. But then she also – creates a routine for him. Yeah, she creates a routine, and she is trying her best to make sure he gets exercise when they're trapped in this tiny room. You know, they run around, they do, like, track or whatever, <laughs> and they, like, run in circles. And um, But, yeah, I just think it's, like, interesting, like, the way that her character – um moves from the room and back into the real world. And she's had this experience of the real world before, but she almost handles it worse mm-hmm. than Jack does when they go um back out. And so I just wanna like hear what you guys think about her and her her journey, I guess. I
2: think seeing her from Jack's perspective was really hmm, I don't know. I don't want to say interesting, that's too vague, but like <laughs> gripping because and I might be conflating the movie and the book, but I know in the movie there's parts where he says, this is one of her gone days. Like, something about watching this depression and just, like, absolute, abject hopelessness from Jack's perspective is really moving because for so much of the book ma seems like pretty with it and pretty on top of things and okay and they seem to have a fairly normal life but then once you see she's actually terrified and miserable and depressed and just all of these things and you realize that jack's just calling it something different it's I don't know. Also, I mean, I just think that's a really good description of depression—having a gone day, where you just feel mm-hmm. like you can't get out of bed, and like obviously, depression when you're living a life not in a in room is different. But it's just it's like a nice description, I think.
0: And she does, you know, when they escape, I I really appreciated that rather than having this book be all about being in room and having the escape be the ending, really the escape occurs less than halfway through. And, you know, from that point forward, it's just about the, them readjusting to the world. And I really appreciated that Emma Donahue, rather than sort of make this whole thing about the escape and then have it be this sort of happy ever after story when they get out, you know, deals with the realistic... Aspects of trauma and how, you know, just because things are are better in a situational sense doesn't mean that you can recover from something like this quickly or, you know, ever potentially. I mean, you know, she comes out of and they escape. And for Jack, it's like, you know, this huge new world being opened up to him and he's like scared and excited. But for her, it's like she's coming back to a world that she's been gone from and she feels like she doesn't belong there anymore and it it just like she becomes more depressed she ends up there's a suicide attempt
1: she also feels betrayed by the world around her right because this is the world that got her in that place in the first place so she's looking around at the world and sees it differently than she did before she went inside because suddenly she feels like she can't trust the world to like take care of her or be a safe place for her Mm-hmm. and she really didn't have a chance to process that before room because she is a she's a teenager when this happens you know this guy asks her to, like come help with the dog she goes to do it because you know she like she says she's always been taught to be nice um and then next thing she knows she's you know stuck in a room and being raped on a weekly basis and so like this is her first chance to like really process the fact that like this world that she was raised in is what primed her to give into something like this and be a victim. So she feels betrayed and angry.
3: Like Jack's reliance on her gets even it gets so much greater when they're outside of room cuz in there like when she has a godday he can pretty much take care of himself and he's like got an understanding of just that little world around him. And the moment they're out like she's it for him and she is also trying to take care of herself and readjust and kind of get back in with her family, which is another really difficult element for both of them. But like at the same time, like she's all he's got. And so I think that's why she has a breakdown. <laughs> it's like she can't focus on herself that's at too
2: all. Much. Yeah. At no point did I think, Oh, she shouldn't be having a breakdown. <laughs>
3: No way.
0: It was totally understandable. <laughs> I, was thinking, I would have had one wow, years she's before. She's <laughs> really well. Only this sort of breakdown. Yeah.
3: yeah. Well, it seems like, I think Jack is what kept her alive mm-hmm. until that point. Like, I am sure she would have found a way yeah. to. It's really
1: hard for me to separate the Ma character in the book from the movie because I did see the movie first and Brie Larson is so good mm-hmm. in the Like, obviously, she won an Academy Award for this movie. She's so good. Um, and, I mean, like, I feel like I would have sympathy for the mother anyway in the book, but her pain seems so much more real to me, probably because I did see the movie first. I don't know. I just, like, I think Brie Larson was so great in this movie. <laughs> she re- she really is.
3: <laughs> I read it first, but the moment I finished reading it, I immediately started watching it. It was, like, a five-minute lapse <laughs> between those two things. Because <laughs> so, I was like, I have to see this play out. But you're an adult reading it, and you understand – what he's saying about her, even if he doesn't get it. And that in itself is heartbreaking, I think, just to watch. Yeah.
0: Um, in the back of the book, like with many books, there are some discussion questions uh, that usually publishers provide um, for book clubs, I suppose. And uh, we were just looking, uh, when while we were reading it, Emily and I were looking in the back and Emily was like, did you see like the discussion questions for <laughs> they're this, really bad for this book. They're so bad. The worst one. I'm just going to I have the book right here. I'm just going to grab it really quick because I just want to read it um verbatim so that everyone can know that this isn't exa- isn't an exaggeration. Okay. Number 6. What would you ask for for Sunday treat if you were Jack? <laughs> if you were Ma? What would you guys ask for?
1: If I were Ma, I would ask to not be raped. Yeah. That's probably what I would
0: ask for. Freedom? To.
3: Yeah. Can <laughs> yeah, you set yeah, me free, yeah. maybe? I think we would all ask, at, as a baseline, not to be raped. That would be a great That's treat. such an insulting question. Yeah. <laughs> I know. God, what do you think we would ask for you assholes? You
0: couldn't miss the point any harder than like with that question. Like, <laughs> yeah. that is not a good oh, discussion
3: question. Like, do they want you to say like Oreos? Yeah. No. Like, you no. ask not to be systematically raped weekly, I think. <laughs> I think nightly. Isn't nightly? it nightly? Sometimes, I mean, I think it's like. It's really just. It's, it's not, not regular. Like it's it. like, yeah, yeah, I feel like he shows up every couple days. Sometimes it's daily. Yeah. I'm also um, getting some of this confused with the real, real story, which I'll tell you guys a little yeah, bit. Which Susan will talk about in a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. It's going to fuck your world yeah. up, but I'll tell you about it.
1: What would you ask for if you were Jack, though? <laughs> if I were Jack, I would ask for birthday cake with candles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is, I mean, this is sort of a trend
2: in book club questions that are printed either in the back of the books or um, printed for stores, like the Books A Million Couple Next Door questions. Mm-hmm. that we talked about. Oh. oh, God. They're always bad. I mean, they're always, always just them. terrible questions. Yeah. And
0: I wonder, yeah, and I wonder they get who paid? writes these questions. Did they read the book? Well, speaking from um, a publishing standpoint, I know that editors tend to write them, I'm pretty sure. Because I am a designer, so I will get the questions sent to me. Um, and then I'll format them and they're usually being sent from editorial. So that's my assumption whether it's the editor or the assistant editor or someone working on the book. It's obviously not the author writing the questions.
3: It's like an unpaid intern who didn't really read it.
0: <laughs> do you get to sneak a do you get to
2: sneak a note in there like, "Hey,
3: I know I'm formatting
2: these, but also."
0: <laughs> Yo, sometimes I will read the questions and i'll just be like it's actually kind of nice because by reading the questions i can tell that i don't want to read this book Mm -hmm. but (laughs) (laughs) um yeah sometimes the questions are really so bad like i don't have any idea what the book is about but it'll be like why why do you think that her grandmother's recipe is so important to her oh my god like (laughs) a question like that or something and it's just like can we get a little more nuanced discussion here Yeah, so we've talked about the movie – we've talked about the movie a little bit. Um, Do you guys think there was anything in the movie that they changed that you thought was a good change or a bad change? Because there were some significant differences. I just want to talk about Seamus the dog. Yes.
1: Yes. Which – I put Seamus the dog in the doc in all caps. I – as soon as Seamus – (laughs) like, so Seamus kind of gets talked out throughout the – talked up throughout the movie – because like Jack really wants a dog and when he gets out his grandma's um boyfriend boyfriend? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think is so. like, I have heard. a dog, I'll let you meet him. <laughs> and at this point in the movie, I was like, This dog better be the fucking cutest dog ever because it's like really just been built up for me and I like I wanna see that dog and just and that dog was cast so well mm-hmm. Like, when I saw that dog, I lost it. I started crying. I cried. Yeah. <laughs> so hard. I mean, I was like, look at little Seamus. Oh, my God. I I was. We were I tearing
2: it. up in the theater.
1: <laughs>
0: like, oh, my yeah. God, he's real. Because it's Jack's, it's Jack's first time ever experiencing, like, an animal yeah. that isn't a mouse yeah. or a, or a spider, like, in yeah. real life. And he has heard so much about dogs. He's seen them on TV. He's like – You know, read about them and and all this stuff. And it's, like, slowly presented to him because they don't want to, like, freak him out by immediately introducing him to a dog. But when he finally meets the dog, they, like, bring him in. (laughs) Emily's, like, weeping. Mm, Um, That's so cute. They bring him in, and the dog is all, like – he, like – You know, Jack puts out his hand and the dog, like, sniffs his hand and he's all cute and, like, rubs his face on his hand and, oh my god, it's just, like, so fucking cute. It's, like, such a tender moment because it's just, like, silent while he, like, meets a dog for the first time and pets it. And it's just, like – it's also just, like, a great little touch about one of the great joys of being a human Mm -hmm. is, like, having a pet or, like, getting to interact with, like, animals and – That kind of thing, and
1: as our listeners know, we all four of us really feel that. Yes, like we love we love animals. So
3: (laughs) yes, and dogs. I'm the resident dog haver. Yes, so Mm -hmm. I feel like. I was extra touched. Yeah. <laughs> yes, for sure. Gosh, I mean, like, can you imagine
2: meeting a dog for the first time? Because no, I think people are sometimes so I've cr- when they first encounter a dog. I've cried
3: as an adult meeting a dog. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. because the dog was just so perfect. And, like, they make me so happy. <laughs> yeah. And we have um, – we can have dogs at work where I work. And so some days – you know, well, sometimes you go into work and you're like – another Wednesday, and then a little pug runs around the corner and you're like, oh my god! Ah, welcome! So, um, it just makes me so happy every time I see them, and so I I have cried petting a dog as an adult. Imagine, can't imagine if I had seen them on TV, not actually thought they were real, because as far as Jack knew by that, while he was in room, anything you saw on TV was not real. So, yeah, then you made a dog. Oh my god! Um, yeah,
0: so I'm <laughs> really glad that they added that in the movie because it was mentioned in the book mm-hmm. that he was interested in dogs, but
3: he didn't there meet was one. No but Seamus, Seamus, though. Seamus,
1: that's all I really wanted to mention about the movie that we hadn't talked about yet. So
3: I'm gonna watch it again today, you guys. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right. So last question: Did you guys have any complaints <laughs> about this book at all? <laughs> like, nope. Nah. <laughs>
3: I really didn't. Maybe if I read it a second time, I could, like, look at it with a more critical eye. But I just, like, I really loved it.
2: I read it really quickly because I was so into it. Like, if I read a book quickly, I know I love it. hmm Because I can't put it down.
0: Yeah. I don't necessarily feel that way when I read. Because sometimes I'm interested in what is happening in a book and I'll read it fast, but then I'll finish and I'll be like, it eh, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Well, Kelly, you're the one that rated this four stars, so why did you dock a star? Yeah, what happened?
2: I know.
1: I don't know why. That's just
2: how Kelly's rating system works.
1: Well, but that means that something wasn't perfect. So I'm just wondering what. I like, guess
0: there is no such thing. I guess I wonder about <laughs> perfection. I do consider the reread value of things, and I do wonder what it would be like rereading this without that aspect of discovery. Because I do think, like, the first time you read a book like this where you don't know everything that's going on, you're learning stuff about this child and his isms and everything, and then you know by the end. And so if I were to reread it, it's possible that that would add more for me that I am familiar the second time around. But also Mm -hmm. there are certain moments that are – especially something like the escape section, which goes on for a bit and – that I might not be as excited or nervous to read because I know exactly where it's going. Um, See, I don't have
1: to, well, first of all, like I, I felt like I already knew all that stuff kind of because I saw the movie first. Yeah. Um, so the fact that I was still really engrossed in it told me that it, it was doing something interesting. But second of all, like I never really like think about reread value when I rate yeah. something because first of all, I just don't got time to reread everything that i like yeah like there's, there's a lot of books except harry potter yeah, yeah except for harry potter which i reread on the reg but yeah like i i just there are a lot of books out there and some books are good but i'm just never gonna reread them that doesn't necessarily mean mm-hmm. i didn't enjoy them I'm, I'm like, it's yeah. the same with movies like some movies were amazing but i'm also like I probably won't watch that again anytime soon. It doesn't mean that, like, yeah. mm-hmm. I didn't like it. it just, it's just a different type yeah. of experience.
0: Well, that's that's fair. And that's why I'm saying, like, obviously it doesn't mean I didn't like this because I did like it a, a whole lot. But I, I don't – for me to say, like, I love something that I read is, like, difficult.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know why, but I'm very, like, picky when it comes to that, like, top tier of – me really, really loving something or really connecting to something. Because also, I didn't like cry while reading the book. I did cry while watching the movie. But I don't know, like there was some small emotional thing that was holding me back. And I'm not totally sure what it was. And maybe it was just the child perspective, even though I enjoyed the child perspective. So it's hard for me to figure out why exactly I would have to think about it more. And it's not... It's obviously not anything big beca- because, like, I do really like the book a lot. So I'm not saying that there's anything necessarily bad about it. It just, like, didn't quite hit whatever that thing is that I need. <laughs> All right,
1: Susan, do you want to go into, like, true crime corner now? Yes. yes.
3: Briefly into true crime corner. So true Emma crime. Donahue found out about this real story um, that did involve a small child. And that was the inspiration for – Jack and then for, room, so, um, it's based on the story of Joseph Fritzl. He's an Austrian guy who held his daughter Elizabeth in captivity for twenty four years, Ugh. in his basement um, behind eight locked doors, um, one of which was like what? a keypad, like like old Nick. I know, I'm not kidding. Eight? Okay. Eight. That seems excessive. like it was like kind of like a series of rooms. I think that you had to go through and there were locked doors the to get to all of them. Is this like okay. the like
0: philosopher's stone.
3: <laughs> it's crazy. So yeah. So he takes her. I think she's like eighteen or nineteen. When she's eighteen, um, he like lures her into the basement to help him like put up a door, but basically he seals her into this little cell, and he. Much like old Nick does, visits, uh, like, on average every three days and assaults her, rapes her. She gives birth to seven children what? over the course of these ti- – um, mm-hmm. Three of the children he keeps with her in captivity. So she's, she raises three of them down there in this little cell. Three, One of them died a couple days after birth which actually sounds like kind of the best outcome for this kid because the rest of them had way worse lives. The other three um, were raised upstairs by the father and his wife, who allegedly doesn't know what's going on. What?
2: No. Um, no. He where, did the, that, where
3: did the fucking baby come from then? He says that, oh, so when Elizabeth um, disappeared, he made her write letters um, saying that she ran away. And so, over the course of these years, every once in a while, he would have her write a letter that would explain, like, where she was and, like, to not come look for her and that she was in a cult. So, also, then a baby would show up on their doorstep with a letter written by Elizabeth that he forced her to write saying, like, take care of this baby.
0: I'm sorry, but his wife is a fucking idiot. Mm -hmm. How could you not question that?
3: Yeah, so she – the whole time, like, allegedly the wife thinks Elizabeth really is gone and is in a cult and, like, her babies are showing up there getting dropped off on the doorstep and saying, like, raise my babies. And so three of the kids are raised upstairs by their father, grandfather, and the wife. Three of them are downstairs. And so when – the way that they do get discovered is similar to – Ma's plan in the book. And it's that the oldest daughter, who at this time is now 18. Oh, no. So there's a kid that's been down there until she's 18, gets really sick and is um, like unconscious. And so they take her to the hospital, but won't let the mom go, won't let her come out. So, like, the dad takes her to the hospital and says, like, he makes up some story about the mom. And, the, but, you know, the doctors are like, that shit doesn't add up. And so. Eventually, they let somehow Elizabeth talks him into letting her go to the hospital and she does. And then they discover, yeah, she tells them like, no, we've we're being held and we've been there for 24 years. And she had two other kids with her at the time down there. One of them was also a teenager and one of them was a five year old named Felix. And that is who Jack was based on. Wow. He's in jail. <laughs> yeah. um, how did he decide which
1: kids to raise himself and which kids to leave in captivity?
3: I have no idea because they were taken up there at different ages too. Like um one of them was like fifteen months old when he was found on the doorstep. One of them was like ten months old. So it's like they were down there at some point. But now all of them And how
0: old are they in relation to the other
3: kids? i don't know i think that they were like were they first born between the first two and felix (laughs) okay if i remember correctly so because they should have been older than that five-year-old kid i think but um anyway i don't know like how how they were chosen or or not chosen but they all six of the surviving kids and the mom now all live in the same place um together and like have go Still, I guess, are undergoing like really intensive therapy. They got out in 2008 and he was sentenced in 2009. So he's, wow. that's where he is. It's her dad. That's like, that's, I
2: mean, that's yeah, like we so can just crazy. back up to what? the part where her dad <laughs> is the one who did this.
3: Yeah. It's all really, it's all. How old was crazy. she at the time? She was 18. Okay. So around the same age that. Ma was was wasn't Ma nineteen. What
2: what has to snap in your head to think? You know, I think I want to kidnap my daughter and rape her.
3: Well, he had been for years before that, outfitting that basement as a place to keep someone with eight so, doors. Yeah, and he just would say he was like going in there to work on stuff or whatever.
2: I've played video games
0: with fewer doors than that. Dude, I know. How did his wife not wonder why there were eight locked doors to get to the basement? There's no way she didn't know what was going on.
3: I have no idea. I think there's some, like, serious denial going on there. There's no way.
0: But I also shouldn't keep putting all the pressure on her because this dude is fucked
3: up. Like, Right. <laughs> I mean. The, there's a documentary about it on Netflix. Wow. Um, called Joseph Ritzel's Story of a Monster. That's wild. Because – He's a monster. Well, I'm.
2: I'm gonna watch it immediately.
3: I haven't even actually seen it. I just it's in like my it's on my list, which is where movies go to die. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's that's the real story. It was inspired by this five year old who probably I, I'm guessing has like the most solid shot at recovery yeah. because he's young. Yeah. He's younger, and he didn't literally grow up in there for his whole life. But a few of them did, but yeah, they all live together on, like, sort of a compound situation. Crazy. Yeah. had a really hard time adjusting to the real world, too, so there were some parallels there with the book as well.
0: Well, that's really interesting information to know. And I said, had no idea that yeah. it was – I mean, I know that this kind of stuff happens all the time, but I didn't know that it was based on a specific story, so. Mm-hmm. That seems like an extreme. Yeah.
3: I mean, thank God that wasn't the story we had to read,
0: because – yeah. Good lord.
3: Oh, and there was a miscarriage, too. This She also had a miscarriage before her first baby was born, like Ma did. So right. there were a couple of things that, like, carried through. But, uh, yeah, it's bad. The world's a shitty place, guys. <laughs>
0: um. So, yeah, we're running a little bit long. So let's... Uh, shoot into our Happy Death Day talk. Yeah, Happy Death Day. Yeah, it was recently Emily's Yay. birthday,
1: and all I wanted Yay, for my birthday. birthday, all I wanted for my birthday was to see Happy <laughs> Death Day, which is a birthday horror movie that came out on my birthday
0: and looked terrible. It's not guys. It say. wasn't. It was so good. It wasn't terrible. No. It now sell this movie to it me. It was really good.
1: Okay, like throughout the movie, I kept turning to Mary and just was like, oh. This is so good,
0: um good how,
2: so it wasn't be horror movie good. it wasn't a so bad it's good situation. it was very self aware and was making some interesting commentary
1: mm-hmm. um it was funny. I thought the main actress did <laughs> a really good job, and I cannot think of her name right now uh
2: she is one of the roommates in La La land,
0: yeah, oh um. Let me look up. When I saw the trailer, I was briefly like, is that Misha Barton? And then I was like, oh, it's. You're not like, no, Misha Barton. Barton looks like crap now. <laughs> um,
3: Dancing with the Stars, Misha Barton?
1: Anymore? Yeah. Do <laughs> that. All right, hold on. I'm Ooh, looking it up it so I can tell you these actors' Okay, Jessica Ross. She was great. Um, she was really funny. She, I think was like convincing as her role um the the guy in it the main guy in it might look familiar and that's because he's the main dude in the bling ring the bling (laughs) ring he's main dude in bling ring so i didn't realize oh that guy Yeah, i didn't realize that and i was like he looks real familiar um and then i looked it up afterwards and he's in the bling ring um but it's If I were going to describe this movie, I would say, like, it's really interesting because, like, it's a murder mystery, but, like, she's trying to solve her own murder, and so you're, like, trying to solve it with her, and, like, at first you think you know, and then they, like, throw you off the scent, and then... They surprise you, even though you're like, oh, the clues were there all along. So, like, Mm -hmm. you really can, like, play along with it. (laughs) Um, But it's also, like, poking fun at itself. Like, at the end, the dude's like, you know what your situation reminds me of? It reminds me of that movie Groundhog Day. And she's like, what's Groundhog Day? And he's like, you know, with Bill Murray? She's like, who's Bill Murray? And he's like, oh, my God, you've never seen Ghostbusters? And I was like, this is the perfect ending to this movie. Because if you guys don't know, I really love Ghostbusters a lot. (laughs) So I, I mean like I love that it was like very self aware. It was trying to be funny. I wouldn't say that it's like super scary or anything, but I don't normally find slasher there movies. There are some scary. jump scares.
2: It's like slasher think, movie scary. Yeah.
1: I think slasher movies are just fun. I never am like, Oh my god, I'm so scared. Yeah. Um, but it yeah. was a it was a really fun movie. <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to, and I was really excited about seeing it, so
2: Yeah, it was also like an interesting commentary on how girls treat each other in sororities Mm -hmm. or in like communal spaces for women because all of the girls in the sorority are calling each other slut and whore just like really casually and the main character is really down with that and mean, but then by the end of the movie she sort of like evolves as a person.
1: Yeah, as is the case with any movie that's like doing a Groundhog Day thing, it's like Mm -hmm. part of the part of the trope of those movies now that we've had several like that, or that like what, what happens when you have to relive your life over and over again is that you re-examine who you are and what your values are. And so that's definitely like something that's happening
0: as well. So you have to start out as kind of a shitty person for the arc to work.
2: (laughs) But it's good. I mean, I definitely would recommend (laughs) it. It was a fun movie. And I mean, we talked about it for a long time afterwards and even the next day,
1: I was like, you know, I'm still thinking about that movie. Even Ben loved it. And like afterwards Ben like, hates all movies. Wanted to talk about it. And yeah, Ben hates everything.
3: Ben hates all movies. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Especially horror
3: movies. Well, I'm sold. Yeah, I'll go too. see it. Oh my god. And I can probably so convince good. Joe. Yeah, it's fun. It's really fun. You know, in case I need to ask <laughs> a man something like while I'm there. It's like good to have him <laughs> nearby. So
1: I recommend everyone go see Happy Death Day. It was so good. All right. I loved it. So that ends that. <laughs> all right.
0: Um, (laughs) But I kept being like, is it over? And then you'd be like, also. (laughs) Check that box. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you asked me to sell it. So I did.
1: What's on the blog? So we got a couple of recaps going on now um, on a weekly-ish basis. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still recapping. Are you the one? Which guys? If you're not watching the show, is so freaking good. But um, you should at least read my recaps and then. They're very uh, funny.
3: Yeah, the recaps are great. <laughs> Mary
1: and Kelly mm-hmm. are recapping Riverdale,
2: that beloved hot mess of a show, yep. Riverdale. Yep.
1: So our first
0: <laughs> two recaps should be up. Uh, <laughs> are up? Um. Yeah. yeah. So. And <laughs> oh, we're doing kind of a chat-style recap where we just sort of go over it with each other and laugh at the absurdity of it all. It's
2: really the only way you can talk about Riverdale because it's just so bananas. <laughs> yeah, it's not
0: like you can – it's fucking ridiculous, but gotta love it. If you love Gossip Girl slash um, –
2: I mean, it's kind of like, what if Gossip Girl and Twin Peaks combined? Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> it's a murder mystery
2: with that CW teen flair.
0: Leaning heavily into the teen flair. Yes. Like, they're basically Twin Peaks is more of a um, fashion and mood inspiration, mm-hmm. but not really any of the actual content or weirdness. Because the show isn't very weird. It's just kind of like. It's weird in, how did they make that decision? It is not logical at all. <laughs> yeah. Slash, what the fuck is going on in this town? Um. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I'm going to write about Paperbacks from Hill, so you can read my thoughts on Grady Hendrix. Book Squad fave. Um, his new book, Paperbacks from Hill. Which is delightful. We want Grady Hendrix to be our friend in real life and a friend of the podcast. I
1: love you, Grady Hendrix.
2: Um, He is also the author of My Best Friend's Exorcism, which Emily and I love. And he and Emily wrote a blog post about that, one of the first blog posts for the blog. Well, he and
1: I did not write it. I wrote it. Yeah, Yeah, Emily. Emily wrote If he wants to write a blog post with me, like, I'm up for it. You just, Um, you know, holla at me. He also wrote Horror
2: Store, which we have talked about on an episode of the podcast. But Grady Hendrix is wonderful, funny, talented, and smart. And he has written a new book about, um, it's a nonfiction book about the horror novel covers of the 70s, 80s, and yeah, I think just 70s and 80s, pretty much. But they are delightful, and his commentary on them is beautiful. So I've written a blog post about that.
3: I have fun. And Susan. And, and Susan. I'm not currently recapping a show, but I did write another Bachelor blog just to like hold people over until that is in our lives again. Um, I think my next one is going to be about Big Mouth, Netflix show. But just to... Entice everyone. America's next top model is coming back and I will be recapping the shit. Yes. yes. And I think it's coming in December. I think Emily's joining in on this. Emily maybe, right? Yeah.
0: Yes. Oh yeah, I'm into it. <laughs> oh <my laughs> <God. laughs>
3: want to be on top.
0: top, top. Na, na, are they doing
3: bo- are they doing na, men and women na, or just women? Na, 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 na. I don't know. Tyra's coming back though. I want them to go so back to just women. I haven't watched I didn't watch after Tyra Me left. Me neither. Oh, I, I, I should to prepare. Oh, yeah. Tyra left? Yeah, you guys, God, I'll fill you all in on the recaps. I'm going to do a preview post as well. I'm just all over it. But, um, yeah, Tyra's back. I've been out of it. The old judges are not, though, so got a new cast of characters. You mean Janice Dickinson isn't coming back? Janice Dickinson's (laughs) been out for a while, y'all. Y'all need to catch (laughs) up. Oh, crazy Janice Dickinson.
2: When my mom yells at me like this, it's because she loves me. (laughs) How dare you? Emily and I were just quoting America's Next Top Model last night. Oh, I
1: I quote it all the
0: time. Me too.
1: This is not America's Next Top Best Friend. (laughs) Okay? We were all rooting for you!
0: (laughs) Okay, so next time on Book Squad Goals, we will be doing our... Discussion of Born by Jeff Vandermeer, which is Mary's pick. Ah, Yay.
2: Yes, it is a sort of sci-fi, not really, maybe it's fantasy, speculative, post-apocalyptic fiction. Um, I'm really looking forward to sort of trying to define it and figure it out with you guys, because I'm probably like two-thirds through with it, and it's very strange. Um, But it's particularly timely now because the movie trailer for Jeff Vandermeer's other series, the Southern Reach trilogy, um, Annihilation starring Natalie Portman and our boy Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac. That trailer, the sentences I'm saying make no grammatical sense, but you all know by now. Um, (laughs) The trailer for Annihilation based on another Jeff Vandermeer novel is out and it's, Really fantastic. I recently pressured Susan's husband, Joe, into reading Annihilation, and he liked it a lot. So
1: we would like to do a podcast of Annihilation when it comes out and have Joe on. Yeah. I think.
2: Yes. It's just going to be me and Joe going, (laughs) oh
3: my gosh,
0: (laughs) for an hour and 15 minutes. Um, But we will be talking about Born. Yes. And I've started reading it, and I'm really, I'm only, I'm like 10 pages in, but I really like the style so yeah. I'm pretty excited.
2: He has an interesting writing, narrative voice. I'm listening to this one. Oh. So far, so good. I don't know about the narrator for the audiobook I'm born, but the narrator for Annihilation is whew. Bad. I might be prejudiced against British narrators.
3: <laughs> I'm starting to think. <laughs> this one's what is not the British. Problem? I don't know. Hmm. This one's not British.
1: Um and then our next mini is going to be Stranger Things!
0: We will be one of thousands of podcast episodes being released about Stranger Things.
1: But ours is going to be the best. Ours is going to be the best. So, just listen to ours first. We all have the best thoughts.
0: It's true. that's it. Yeah. All right. So, uh, we have some social media that you should check out, at Book Squad Goals. Please like our posts and share them. And also please go and rate and review us. Is the contest still going on? contest is still going, guys. Okay, there's a contest. If you rate and review us on iTunes and email, email us with the name of your iTunes account, uh, you are going to be entered to win a copy of Born and also other Born-related goodies as curated by Mary. Yes.
2: And I don't, I don't want to give anything away, <laughs> but one of the main things in Born... Is one of my favorite things, and so I'm probably going to be really good at putting this on. <laughs> it was very vague,
0: <laughs> so vague. Um, enticing, <laughs> yeah. nonetheless,
3: but enticing. You'll see
0: if you end <laughs> to find contest. out what one of Mary's it, favorite things is. Um. So yeah, contest, <laughs> and then even if you don't care about winning things please just rate and review us anyway if you're a listener honestly and you haven't written us a review you should because i'm going to find out everyone who That's what nice people do and then if we ever stop i'm going to name you it helps us help you if you didn't review us i'm gonna be like this is one of the reasons we're not doing this anymore <laughs> <laughs> stop just kidding <laughs> oh yeah email us your comments and questions <laughs> At book Squad Goals at booksquad.inc. inc. <laughs> and at book squad. <laughs>
2: Talk to us. We like to hear from you. Okay,
0: bye. Okay, bye.